This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. Good evening, church. Um, so I just really want to say thank you to all of you and thank you, Sias. I just want to yeah, just honor you for just for fathering me in many different ways, um, in the spirit and also a lot of times in the natural. Um, I think it's Paul that writes to Timothy and he says, you don't, you don't have many fathers. And I'm glad that we can say, and I'm sure we we'll all agree that we have a father um, that looks after, after us, our heavenly father, but the people he's placed over us in heaven. But amen, surely. We bless the Lord. Okay, we're going to pray now. Let us pray. We exalt you, Lord. We give you praise this evening. Thank you, Father, that we can be here, Lord. Thank you, Father God, for your word. And Father, we just pray, Lord, that your word would bear fruit tonight, Lord, in our hearts, in the name of Jesus. Thank you, Father, that you send your word to heal, Lord, and it doesn't fall to the ground, God, that it won't return to you without establishing what you have sent it for, Lord, in the name of Jesus, Lord. I just pray, Father God, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing unto Thank you, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord. Amen. In Jesus' mighty name. Awesome. Why won't you turn to the person next to you and say, yeah, you look like a Colgate model. Anybody? Colgate models. I just, it just got very, very, very quiet very quickly there. Um, but just the word that I really felt the Lord lay on my heart for this evening, it's a thirsty people. And I don't know, oh, that was me on the screen. That's a bit, it's a bit weird to see. But it's a thirsty people. And um, the scripture reading comes from Numbers 11 from verse 1 to 10. Now, how many of us here or how many of you have ever been hungry and ever been thirsty before? Just by a show of hands, hopefully everyone, because it's a natural human process. And who would say it's better to be hungry than thirsty? Just by a show of hands, okay? Hungry, hungry people everywhere in the room. And thirsty? Thirsty? Awesome. Um, so we're going to read a passage about the Israelites and how they hungered and how they thirst for, for different things. But the thing we need to understand tonight about hunger and thirst is that as much as they are the same, in that they occur when our bodies are lacking a basic need, a basic substance. So food or water, they are very different um, at the same time. There's, in a sense, a greater urgency to thirst. Because you can be hungry for a few days, well, a lot of days, I think 40 plus, more or less, 40 days you can go without eating. But thirst, you can only be thirsty for so long before you die before your body completely stops functioning and, and you die and your heart stops beating. All right, let's get right into the word. Numbers 11 from verse 1 reads as follows. Now the people, so just a background on the story. It's regarding the Israelites, the children of Israel, always getting into trouble with the Lord, but the Lord always graciously 
um, accepting, accepting them back and extending his hand and saying, just come back. And that only takes place when, when they repent. So we see this over and over in scripture. And this is actually when they were being taken through the desert. And the Lord actually got angry with them in this certain passage of scripture. But let us read it together. Numbers 11, from verse 1 to verse 10. Please turn there with your, in your Bibles, if you've got your Bibles or your phones. Nowadays we, we use our phones as well. But just before we read, I really want to encourage us to, to read with faith. You know, we can turn to the Bible and read scripture just as though it is words, random words, but it is the word of God. Amen? Um, it is alive, it's sharper than any two-edged sword, able to cut through our hearts. And I encourage you as well, in this holiday, to take out time to spend in his word, even with the devotionals that, that, that we have. But let us approach the word with faith. Um, as it says in, um, in Hebrews chapter 4, that they heard the same word that we heard, but it didn't benefit them anything, because when they heard, they didn't mix it with faith. Uh, so just tonight's message especially, I just felt the Lord wants to impart something in us. So let us come with soft hearts and eager, eager ears and believing. Amen? Amen. Okay. So it reads as follows. Now the people complained about their hardships in the hearing of the Lord. And when he heard them, his anger was aroused. Then fire from the Lord burned among them and consumed some of the outskirts of the camp. When the people cried out to Moses, he prayed to the Lord and the fire died down. So that place was called Tabera because fire from the Lord had burned among them. The rabble with them began to crave other food. And again, the Israelites started wailing and said, if only we had meat to eat. We remember the fish we ate in Egypt at no cost. Also the cucumbers, melons, leeks, onions, and garlic. But now we have lost our appetite. We never see anything but this manna. The manna was like coriander seed and looked like resin. The people went around gathering it and then ground it in a handmill or crushed it in a mortar. They cooked it in a pot or made it into loaves, and it tasted like something made with olive oil. When the dew settled on the camp at night, the manna also came down. Moses heard the people of every family wailing at the entrance to their tents. The Lord became exceedingly angry, and Moses was troubled. Amen. So the Israelites here, we, we see that the Lord is busy taking them to the promised land. So they are en route to the promised land. And as they are going, they are enduring hardships and they, they are experiencing tough times. And in that place of experiencing hardship, they start craving, they start hungering. They start having a need that needs to be, to be satisfied. And it's important to understand what the promise of the promised land was. The promise of the promised land was that there would be rest. That the Lord would give his people rest. Because for 400 years, they had been slaves in Egypt. The Egyptians were oppressing them, mistreating them. Um, but the Lord gave the promise that I will give you, I'll give you rest. So now as they are going through the desert, then they like, I can just imagine the Israelites thinking, oh, Moses, now you brought us to the desert, you know. We were in Egypt eating meat and cucumbers. Now we're here in the desert and every day it's just manna. You know, it's like, it's like someone eating pop every day, you know. 
I love pop. I grew up eating pop. But you eat pop every day, seven days a week, and you're just thinking like, oh, man, if we can just get some KFC, some Kentucky in there. You start thinking about all these other things and having, having these cravings. But it's important to realize those cravings come specifically when there's hardship. Because just in the same way that when we hunger and when we thirst, it's because we have a basic need that is missing. When we go through trials and tribulations, our flesh cries out and hungers for things more than food. Hungers for safety. Hungers for joy. Hungers for peace. Hungers for a sense of security. And that's what the Israelites were experiencing. That is the hunger that they were experiencing. They were experiencing a hunger for a sense of security, a sense of knowing Sure, tomorrow um, I'll, I'll have the freedom to, to eat whatever I want to eat. And because of that hardship, they began craving the things that God set them free from. They began craving Egypt. They began having, in a sense, withdrawal symptoms from Egypt. And how many times in our own lives do, like the Israelites, we get so used to the manna and we forget that the manna is actually supernatural that God has provided the manna for us and for us it can be something very simple that we often take for granted such as the Holy Spirit just imagine this the people in the Old Testament didn't have access to the Holy Spirit as we do you know there was no SOS in Moses wasn't like offering SOS to the Israelites there in the desert and over a weekend, there was none of that. The Holy Spirit would come on specific people for a specific purpose at a specific time. Um, to the point that Jesus in the New Testament tells his disciples that, blessed are you um, because kings and prophets have longed to see what you see. And they've longed to experience what you've experienced, but they have not experienced it. And for us, especially as a charismatic as a charismatic church, we so easily become familiar with the things of the Lord, with the Holy Spirit, with the gifts of the Holy Spirit, with just having that access of being able to come to the throne room of God by the blood of Jesus. And that is the manna. And the Israelites became familiar with that manna, so much so that they began craving other things. Just imagine, you can't explain where it comes from. It's supernatural. They weren't like checkers trucks that drove and delivered the manna every day. They would wake up and just there, God's provision. What are the things that God has given us? What are the things that God has given you that you have perhaps neglected? It could be your family. It could be the relationship he's given you with him. The, the, the things he has given you access to. And then we, so, we just treat them with contempt and they become casual to us. And we start hungering for other things. And the thing about hunger is that it causes a restlessness inside of us. There's a saying that says a, a, a hungry man is an angry man. And it's very true. If somebody is hungry, they are very, I don't know what the English word is, they are very irritated with everything. You know, um, you'll just bump into him and you'll see it if you, if you fast. You wake up in the morning and then you know, you're not usually hungry. You don't even eat breakfast usually. But that morning, 6 o'clock, you are awake. And you're staring at the ceiling. And there's a restlessness in you. Um, there's a need that you want to be filled. 
And that's what hunger causes inside of us. That's what thirst causes inside of us. Are we still together? Everybody still following? Amen. Amen. You can say amen. That's good. Amen just means I agree. Feel free to, to agree. So the goal of filling ourselves in the same way that the goal of the Israelites having those cravings is, 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 is simply to, to satisfy this restlessness to take away this restlessness and to give us a sense of rest. Um, but unfortunately, in a similar way to the Israelites, we have many different things that we turn to in our states of hardship, in our states of having withdrawal symptoms from Egypt. We turn to so many different things. And Scripture is very clear. It calls these things idols. Turn to your neighbor and say idols. Idols. Not like the singing idols. <laughs> I always laugh on, yeah, okay, I'm not going to say that now. But on idols, people always say, yeah, my friends tell me, yeah, I can sing, I can sing. And I think like, yo, my friends must just tell me the truth, you know, before I'm on national television. So please tell me, tell me the truth. Um, but we're, we're, we're going to quickly move, move on. So whenever we don't turn to God, we turn to idols. And we see the Israelites and yo. We, we can so easily stand from this side of, of the two testaments and criticize the Israelites and say that, yo, how could you not believe God in all those times? After you saw the sea part, after you saw the fire lead you at night and the cloud by day, but we so often do the same thing. And when Moses went up the mountain to meet with the Lord and to receive the Ten Commandments, we see that the Israelites, it's like they get tired in a sense, and they think like, okay, this fellow Moses, we don't know what's happened to him. He's gone up the mountain. We don't know where, you know, he's probably up there enjoying eating all the things that we were craving from, from Egypt at the Airbnb or something. And then they decide, okay, no, we're going to rather build an idol. And they take the gold that God had given them and they put it together and they make an idol. And a lot of times we make idols in our lives or we turn to idols to fill that place of restlessness when we feel that God has taken too long. Or when we feel that our expectations that we had of the Lord have not been met in our time. And then we think, okay, Lord, I know you said go straight and turn left in 300 meters, but there's like a shortcut in 50 meters. And if we take that, I'll get to my destination faster. And time and time again, the Israelites turned to idols. And I really felt it on my heart to speak about this, 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 this point and just, and just emphasize that our idols can never satisfy us. No matter how many times we turn to them, no matter how many times we, it's like drinking salt water whenever we turn to idols. You can drink and drink and drink. That thirst will always be there. And it will end up making you sick and eventually it will lead to death. And that's what the Bible says. That when sin is fully grown, it leads, it leads to death. Now, at the same time, as much as the Israelites were also in the desert, in experiencing these hardships, there was another man there as well, experiencing the same hardships, and in fact, even greater, and that is Moses. 
Now Moses, it's, it's important to, 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 to remember, he was far better off than any of the Israelites ever were when he was in Egypt. He grew up in Pharaoh's household. Just imagine, he had the gourmet cordon bleu. Yesterday I was at a wedding and we ate like cordon bleu. It was like amazing. I was just like, what is this? Is it a pie? Is it a potato? And I'm like, our chickens in Namibia don't have cheese in them. Like, and mushrooms. But anyway, I'm sure Moses probably ate all that. I don't know what the Egyptian diet was. But he had a far, far better life than the Israelites ever did. The Israelites were slaves and they were craving for Egypt. Moses grew up in Pharaoh's household. So he was ultimately a prince. But never once did Moses complain. Never once did Moses feel like, oh, I just miss my royal garments. I miss being in the household of Pharaoh. I miss having servants come and serve me all day. Why? And I'd like to first turn to, in our Bibles, to Exodus chapter 33. Exodus, that's in the Old Testament. That was a joke, but that's fine. Just say amen when you've, when you've gotten there. <laughs> Exodus 33 from verse 13 to 15. It reads as follows. And just a bit of background about this passage. So Moses and the Israelites are at a critical point in the journey to the promised land, toward the promised land. It's just after the whole golden calf incident where the Israelites decided to create a false, a false image, a false God, when they thought that God had taken too long. And Moses intercedes for them. God has mercy. And this is what happens next. So in chapter 33, in chapter 33, the Lord tells Moses that, Moses, you know what? I'm not going to go with you to the promised land. I'm going to send an angel and it's going to give you victory over all the people that are there ahead of you. You're going to go into the promised land, but I'm not going to journey any longer with these people because these are stiff-necked and hard-hearted people and my wrath will be poured out on them and I will destroy them. So the people mourn and they weep and so on. And obviously Moses um, steps up and intercedes as he did repeatedly. And that was just one of the many burdens that he took that was even far greater than the Israelites. Just think of having this whole nation turning to you every day and hearing their complaints day in, day out, and you have to put up with these people. But it's in verse 13 that we see why, why, did, why didn't Moses complain? Why didn't Moses have these cravings um, to go back? It reads as follows. Moses speaks to the Lord and he says, If you're pleased with me, Teach me your ways so I may know you. Say so I may know you. And continue to find favor with you. Remember that this nation is your people. And then verse 14. The Lord replied, My presence will go with you and I will give you rest. Say rest. rest. Then Moses said to him, If your presence does not go with us, do not send us up from here. How will anyone know that you are pleased with me 
and with your people unless you go with us. What else will distinguish me and your people from all the other people on the face of the earth? So Moses, what separated Moses from the Israelites or the difference was that Moses saw God and Moses knew God. In fact, before they even went into the wilderness, Moses was at the burning bush and he beheld God's glory. And the desire of Moses was not so much the, the rest that comes from having food on the table or not being slaves or not having to, to fight wars. But his desire was to know the Lord. Just imagine you're standing in front of the Lord, right? And it's almost as though God is listening and you have his complete attention. And how it is in my mind, it's like the Lord saying, just ask me one thing. What one thing, anything, and I'll give it to you. And Moses says here, Lord, if you're pleased with me, teach me your way so I may know you. When we're before the Lord, when we come to him, whether it's in prayer or just in our daily lives, is that, is that the cry of our heart that we might know you? Because we so easily come with so many long lists and so many stuff that we think that once we get those things, we will have rest. But the word is very clear. Rest is found in his presence. It's only in his presence that we can ever rest. It's only in his presence that there is fullness of joy. It's only in his presence that we are made whole, that we are satisfied. And that's what Moses, that's what Moses understood. Moreover, Moses understood that success in seeking God is... It's not dependent on the satisfaction of the flesh. In other words, what, what makes me successful in seeking God? It's not that my flesh feels good because we can so easily fall for a feel-good experience and say, okay, cool, I, I raised my hands and like, ooh, I got like shivers in my body and it was really, yeah, it was good. And then we stop there. But Moses understood that Seeking God successfully is not the satisfaction of the flesh, but the fulfillment of his word. So it's not when our flesh is satisfied that, 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 that we've really seen God, but it's when his word is fulfilled. And I remember being on, um, being on mission earlier, earlier in the year, and it was, it was amazing, amazing, amazing. I cannot, yeah, I cannot emphasize it enough. How God is so faithful in just going with you when you decide to go out. But what happened was we went to Malawi and we arrived there on the Sunday after traveling for five days. It was supposed to be a three-day trip, but we won't get into the details of the trip. <laughs> but we got there eventually, hallelujah. Um, so we arrived there on the Sunday and we are kind of like tired, but we're still very amped up, trusting the Lord. We know we're standing on his word. And that night, God just heals people. People come to salvation. And we were in a majority Muslim village. And people were just accepting the Lord, you know, and seeing 
so many people come to salvation. I'm just thinking, it was like a dream. I was like, I can't believe all this is happening. But hallelujah, Lord, God is in control, you know. And so, so many people get healed. So many people get delivered and set free. And then like here on, on the Wednesday, and I remember, yeah, even on the Tuesday when we went out, every single person that we prayed for for healing um, in my group that we went with got healed. We prayed for about 12 people. And then I came back to the campsite that day, and I was just thinking, you know what? If we came all the way from South Africa to Malawi so that our flesh might be satisfied, so that we might have a testimony and good stories to tell, we could go home now. And we'll have our, our testimonies, and we'll be like, yeah, I was also there on missions, and we saw the things happen. You know, we saw people healed, and we saw people fall over, and we saw people come to salvation. But we were not there to get a testimony, and we were not there to have our flesh satisfied, but we were there that God's word might be fulfilled. And Moses was the same. Moses could have decided at any time, you know what, I don't got time for this. I'm going, I'm just going to the promised land. I'm going to leave the people of Israel. I've seen God. I've beheld his glory. I've experienced him. I've walked with him. I don't have to put up with these people nagging. Can't they see there's a cloud of fire here above us right now? Is this not enough? You know, he could have decided, I've I've beheld God. I'm going to leave these people. I'm going to do my own thing. But he didn't. Why? Because God's word had to be fulfilled. And in the same way for us, we so easily come before God and we seek him and we press into his presence, but we stop when our flesh is satisfied and our relationship with God doesn't overflow from our prayer closet. And that's the second thing Moses understood. When we seek God, it's not so much only for our benefit. Sure, we benefit a lot by seeking God. We are changed, we are transformed, but it's for the people that we are going to go to outside when we come out of the prayer closet. That if our relationship with God is only benefiting us, how much is our relationship with the Lord worth? And it's not that we do it for other people, but that's just the natural overflow of it. It's like eating. When you eat and eat and eat and eat, there's a process of exercising. You need to walk and release that energy. That wasn't a word or anything for, for anyone. <clears throat> We're talking about Moses. And true rest and finding rest in the Lord. Amen. And similarly to Moses, I think of the early church and how believers, you know, it's, it's amazing. When you read Acts, you think like, yo, like the apostle Paul had a handkerchief and they'll take that handkerchief and people would be getting healed. They'll just pass it around. And people who touch it are getting healed. And I'm thinking like, yo, next level. <laughs> but but scripture, scripture says it almost like in passing. You know, in, in addition just to everything else that was going. Like they were praying and then the walls of the building began to shake. Oh, okay. Yeah. Just like every other Sunday, you know. <laughs> it's almost in passing. It's not the main focus. But at the same time, these believers were so convicted, they were so persuaded of the gospel that they preached that they would not be satisfied by anything else other than the fulfillment of God's word. They prayed in light of persecution, God give us boldness so that what? 
so that we might proclaim your word, so that we might declare your word. We cannot stop when our flesh is satisfied. We cannot stop when we've ticked certain religious boxes because that's not why we do it. We do it that God's word might be fulfilled, that he might be exalted. That the world might know that he, he's on the throne, that he loves, that he loves them like he loves us. And it's, it's really, yeah, it's, it's, it's by his grace. And then when we think about that, like how can we, we can't keep quiet. You know, it's like Moses having been to the mountain. Like you come out of your prayer closet, you cannot keep quiet. You just can't, you cannot, you know. It's like coming to church. I remember when I just came to the Lord, I'll go to church and then I'll just be like, yes, Lord, yo. Then I'd go home and then show my poor family. They're just like, all the scriptures just coming to them, but it was because I had seen, it's because I tasted, I had experienced something of the Lord that I had to share. In a sense, I had found the water that so many people are thirsting after. And how can I not share that, um, knowing that I myself was in that same position of being, being thirsty? And there might be many of us here tonight who are thirsty, who have been searching and been looking for that water. But hallelujah, Jesus is that water. Jesus is that water. Nothing else, nothing else will satisfy. I've tried, I've done like a, a test. I can write a thesis on sin and the different things, the different idols, but nothing, nothing satisfies. It gives you a false, a false rest, a false security for a while. But afterwards, you see it for what it truly is, and it's death. Complete, complete, complete death. And now, I'd like to share. Um, a few weeks, a few weeks ago, I had a I had a vision. Which actually, that's when really the Lord began speaking to me, especially about tonight. But I'd like to for us to turn to Psalm sixty-three. Psalm sixty-three. And verse 1. We're speaking about being thirsty, being a thirsty people. I felt that was an appropriate time to just take a sip from the water. Um, <clears throat> Psalm 63 and verse 1. So a few weeks ago, I'm lying in my bed at night, as I often do at night. And next moment, I don't know, I can't, I can't describe it. I'll not try and describe it. Okay, I'll describe the vision, but not the whole it. So I see a wilderness, and the Lord was really stirring in me for a long time, a desire to, 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 to follow him, just to seek him for who he truly is. And I see a, a wilderness, and the next moment, a group of people wearing almost like burnt clothes, clothes that are burnt by the sun, like people that have been standing in the sun for a long time, and their clothes are almost starting to change color, but these are faithful people. They are standing there, and they are standing around a dam. There's a massive dam, and they're standing around the dam like this in a semicircle, and the next moment, the, 
the, the level of the dam was, was quite high, but there was a dam wall. And they were waiting for the water to overflow from this wall, that they might drink of this water, and that they might partake of this water. And I really believe that tonight the Lord wants to stir in us not only a hunger, but a thirst for Him. That we might be a people that thirst after Him. That we won't settle for, and this is very important, that we won't settle for signs and wonders. They will come. You know, they will come. But that is not our, our, our joy. That is not where our, our purpose is. It's in knowing the Lord. And everything else, just, it just overflows. Because scripture is very clear. In the end times, many false prophets will arise, performing signs and wonders and deceiving many. That's why it's not about the signs, it's about, it's about the Lord. Amen. So Psalm 63 and verse 1 reads as follows. You, God, are my God. Earnestly I seek you. I thirst for you. My whole being longs for you in a dry and parched land where there is no water. We'll read that again, again slowly. And I want us to take away three things from this scripture that I just felt, felt specifically. And the first is that you, God, are my God. If we're going to be a thirsty people, we're going to be a people after God. We need to have God as our only God. That means no idols. We can't have God in addition to something else. Because idols take our thirst for God away. Have you ever eaten a lot? You know, that you were like really, you'd really like you're like really full, irrespective of what. And the next moment someone comes and offers you something to eat. It could be your favorite food. You'd just be like, oh no, please. I'm already, if I eat now, it's just gonna be, it's gonna be too much, you know? And in the same way, whenever we turn to idols, whenever we are, we are housing sin even in our lives, it, 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 it steals our thirst and our hunger from the Lord because when we come to the Lord, when we come to seek the Lord, we've already eaten. We've already eaten of something else. So even the good food that he puts in front of us, we don't eat it because we're already filled with so much other stuff and our hearts only have space for so much. And then we come to the Lord and we're like, oh no, I'm just like, you know, there's just a, a wall. You know, I'm just... Sensing a wall is praying to the ceiling in a sense, but it's because we're so full of other things. We're so full, even if it's not necessarily, quote-unquote, sin. And Hebrews speaks of this very clearly that, you know, cast off the weight that slows you down and the sin that so easily ensnares. So there's a difference between the weight and the sin. There can be weights that are not necessarily sin. You know, it's, um, it's well within my rights to do certain things. Thank you very much. I know this is not sin. I saw it's PG-13. You know, I can watch this all night. It's okay. I can binge on this. But the truth is it's stealing 
your hunger for God. It doesn't matter if everybody is doing it. It doesn't matter if it's the, it's the cool Christian thing to do now. But you know the conviction of the Holy Spirit in your heart. The Holy Spirit says, stop, stop. Because he wants that place that we give our idols. He wants that place in our hearts that we give our idols. When you are afraid, when you want to escape, when you just want to take a break, then you turn to that thing and you're like, oh. But God wants that, God wants that place. And he's given us the Holy Spirit to fulfill, to fulfill that place. So if we're going to be a people thirsty for God, after God, we need to be wholly devoted unto God with one God. And we need to lay every idol down at his feet. And we'll have an opportunity to do that just now. And secondly, we need to be an urgent people. As the word says, earnestly I seek you, I thirst for you, my whole being longs for you. This earnestly, it's, 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 it's not like, you know, if you're earnestly doing something, it's not like, okay, cool, by the way, I'm just going to earnestly walk to the shop, you know, just casually strolling like, oh, hey, hello, hello, hi, how are you, are you well? I'm good, no, how's your mom? No, she's good, okay, cool, that's good, that's good, hi, hi. But I'm earnestly going, that's not earnest, you know. Earnest is, I'm focused, I'm determined, I'm not going to be distracted, I'm not going to settle. There's a certain sense of urgency that earnestly supposes. And we need to be urgent in our seeking God. It's not a thing of, okay, cool, the Holy Spirit, and this, this, I'm also, I'm in the queue, I'm like first in the queue. But the Holy Spirit would convict, convict me of different things, you know. And you have a, a choice in that opportunity, in that moment, to be obedient immediately or to postpone it. For example, the Lord says, take out time and seek me. You can choose, okay, no, but oh, I have a bride next week. And I don't want to, you know, be that socially awkward guy. You know, I don't want to be religious. Actually, I don't want to be religious. That's being too religious. We cannot cancel our plans and our schedules and our coffee dates and all these things that fill up our schedule in order to seek God. Otherwise, we're just, we're being too religious. And that's, that's the voice that usually, you know, ministers to me. And then I'm like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then next moment, I just think, your Holy Spirit, that conviction comes and you know. So that's one of the things that, that, that the Lord's really come to show me, that if we are serious about seeking him and drawing near to him, there are many different things fighting for our time and fighting for our attention. But we need to clear our schedules. If you're too busy to meet with God, just imagine being too busy to, to meet with God, to seek him. Everybody has 24 hours in a day. I don't know if you've noticed, everybody has 20, 24 hours. You're like, yo, how does that guy, yo, look at that guy, like he's, he's praying like the whole time, he's like so spirit. But everybody has the same, the same time, and we have the same God, hallelujah. Um, but we need to become an, an, urgent, an urgent people. So even for this holiday, I'd like to, to challenge you to not just make plans casually and say, okay, this is what we're going to do with our whole holidays or this is, you know, my plan for the next month or the next three weeks or two weeks, but to really come before the Lord and say, Lord, 
what do you want me to do with the time that you have given me? Um, how can I consecrate this time to you and to seek you? Amen? Amen. And then lastly, if we are to be a thirsty people, we need to be single-minded. And as the scripture says, in a dry and parched land when they, where there is no water. In a dry and parched land where there is no water. We need to realize tonight that aside from Christ, outside of Christ, there is no water that can fulfill. There is no water that can give us life. Nothing, nothing at all. We can search and search, but it's only in Christ that we'll ever be satisfied. And it's that single-mindedness that the early church had, that single-mindedness that Moses had. I was thinking about it the other day. Paul could not be bribed. You know, he, he knew what God had called him for. He knew that he was supposed to preach the gospel to the Gentiles. You could have come to him with money. You could have come to him with power. You could have come to him with many different offers, but he could not be bribed. He could not be moved. He would not be moved. Only when God's word is fulfilled. He even writes that the Holy Spirit, he says, I don't know what's coming ahead. Or I don't know where I'm going, but the Holy Spirit has told me already that wherever I'm going, persecution is waiting for me. But still, he went to those towns. He went to the places where persecution was waiting for him. Because he would not be moved. He was single-minded, wholly convinced that God's word must be fulfilled. And for each and every one of us here tonight, God has given you certain promises and given you certain words. But our calling, our number one primary calling as believers is to know him. And once we know him, once we behold him, and once we find rest in him, all those other things will come just naturally. They'll just come naturally. You won't even think about it next moment. Things are just happening because your eyes are fixed on him. Our eyes are fixed on him. That's a single-mindedness. And it's the same single-mindedness that, yeah, that, the, that the early church had. And then lastly, the, the fourth thing, and I've, I've already mentioned and touched on it, is that overflow. That seeking God is not primarily for ourselves. And just a just a scary thought, like if we have idols in our lives, if we have things in our lives, one day our children might inherit those things. The people around you will start modeling you in different ways and following the idols that you follow. So the life that we live, it's, not, it's unto the Lord, number one, but people are following following after us and where are we leading our families where are we leading those that are around us are we leading them closer to the lord like moses was doing with the israelites pointing them and directing them saying don't you know stop it rebuking them but at the same time interceding and standing on their behalf with the lord it's that place that place that place of overflow so i'd invite, like to invite everyone to stand Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.